Are you ready to learn more about promoting play, defending childhood, empowering caregivers? Save 10% on professional development at explorationsearlylearning.com and support the show with the coupon code OOL. Click the link in the show notes to browse upcoming trainings. Hi, Candace. Hi, Annie. With it has been a year. We just finished up our year of programming at our Agile Learning Center, and um, we just finished up a big slew of podcast recordings that hopefully you all have been able to get through and listen to. What an amazing season of podcasts. Um, next week, we'll probably dive into some of what our favorite moments have been from the season of podcasts. But right now we want to really focus on our purpose of out of line and looking at what we have deconditioned in ourselves, the de-schooling work that we've done, what's come up for us now that we've been in our third year of stepping out of line and treating education in a whole new way, leaving systems behind. Um, whew. What a year, Candace. We're still standing. <laughs> it went by very fast. Very it went fast. by really fast. It started with us moving locations literally seconds before opening. <laughs> um, which I think really kind of kicked off the like biggest point of my de-schooling that I think has happened in, in overall in these last three years, which is just getting comfortable feeling out of control. I think starting in a new location, we had some new students that I had not met yet, new new young people in our space, the returning young people, it was almost like a whole new um, start to their de-schooling because again, we were in a new space and we had to learn the space, learn each other. And uh, for a while, it felt a little out of control to me. <laughs> um, well, me too. <laughs> I think in a, in a more conventional school setting, the adult in the space is the one in control. Yeah. I mean, I had the same experience where almost all year I was just asking myself and reflecting on why, why do I need to be in control in this situation or throughout the day? Like, why is it me that needs to say anything right now? <laughs> In any situation, whether it's like a disagreement with kids or, you know, where the young people in our space are going, what they're doing, what they're using, you know, any sort of like schedule, anything, just kind of reflecting on, I actually don't need to insert myself in any way in any of these situations. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's like following the breadcrumbs back of like, what is feeling out of control and why am I feeling out of control? And so for me, I know like being in a new space, part of it was our relationship with our landlords at our old space was very tenuous and they watched and they didn't always like our mess. We are a self-directed education facility. We are messy. We do play like authentic, real child-led play that gets messy um, feeling nervous about, you know, using past experiences as a guide and like feeling like I was nervous to protect the space. I think um, you just kind of mentioned and touched on with the young people, like letting it be theirs. And that means that um, we can set up the space for what we think it's going to be used like, but it gets used however it gets used, right? And I'm used to that in an early childhood setting because that's what they do, right? They manipulate 
furniture and mats and things to create their own little spaces, but um, their bodies are also smaller. So now you've got kids and this year in our center, our oldest learners were about 14. I think Um, you start to lose age when you don't have grade levels, but, but they take on the space and it morphs completely from, you know, what we thought would be the quiet room ended up being the loud room and things like that. Um, And relinquishing that control to allow it to unfold. Um, We, we did it right. Like we allowed for that to happen. It didn't always feel comfortable to me. Like it didn't, but then I realized my comfort is not <laughs> what's important in this process. Yeah, I think that brings you to the other part that I de-schooled this year is meeting the expectations of others. Because I think I needed to be in control so that I could meet the expectations of others. And I needed to be, in, I needed to just control the day. So like we had families that, you know, maybe weren't, they loved the idea of SDE, but maybe didn't understand that, you know, being in community and allowing young people control of a space and control of their lives is messy. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, I was always thinking like, oh, it has to be really clean or you know, negative experiences, or we need to make sure that we get through the schedule because families are expecting their child to attend certain offerings and just kind of like allowing those expectations. Like if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, it's okay. Mm, Yeah. I think in general, there was like a feeling of being challenged by other people's expectations and timelines. And I think Mm. I'd be curious to talk to other ALC um, founders and facilitators about this, because I think there was something about the third year uh, families who were with us for three years. Some of them were with us all along the way, but then it was kind of like losing patience. Like it's not happening fast enough, or you've said this de-schooling process is going to start, you know, leading to new learning opportunities or whatever expectation that they were holding suddenly was put back on us in a new way of like, this has been three years and I don't see my kid progressing in, in the expected timeline or um, what have you. And I think that really re refocused us on why we're in this work. And we were able to kind of step into our power of, of like, yeah, it's not about us. It's not about our expectations or timelines. And it really was the first year I felt fully like my expectations mean nothing. Um, they, they're, they're not important to this child or to this person um, because it's not my journey. It's theirs. And I'm just here to facilitate it. So I have to relinquish all expectations for outcomes um, based on age, based on person, based on any schoolish notion that was still lingering. Yeah, it's like somehow I always find someone else to set expectations for me. So like even, you know, I'm thinking like, oh, we're going to open this ALC and I don't have a boss, right? (laughs) So then I, I find someone else's expectations or I don't even, you know, maybe necessarily know their expectations, but I'll assume them and then take those on. And I think I've really worked on, you know, not doing that. And for, you know, the kids, it's like, we can work on 
meeting the kids' expectations and what are those? Yeah. yeah. And, and what's driving those, right? Like, um, I don't, yeah, I just think, um, I think that coming along with that is that realization of this is really different. This is not just doing school light, right? Like this isn't just school in a smaller, more supportive setting. This isn't, um, my agenda coming across in a more supportive way. This is really allowing young people and trusting young people to be in their own power of deciding what, when, how they want to learn. And, um, I think we also were able to set up our framework with who we bring in as facilitators to support that in a much better way that, that fit their needs and also like, didn't break our budget. Like I think our first couple of years, we had a few expensive facilitators that we chose to bring in. Um, but then they were, nobody was going. So we're like paying somebody $150 an hour to come in and, and just watch watch what's happening and not do anything. Um, so we learned a lot about how to facilitate conversations, how to check in, um, you know, allow for space, allow for shifts, uh, to happen. And it's hard because when they're outside expectations, I feel like a lot of people don't really see the full scale of what we're doing and we do so much (laughs) (laughs) the kids learn so much and in a day it's 10 times more than they would ever do in a school day but you know parents and people in the community we don't always see that because they're not here all day like we are you know they're not part of it all day like we are Mm-hmm. There was another um, self-directed facility, I think in England, maybe I'll look it up and reshare on our Instagram page, but who listed out like everything that happened in one week. And the list was so long. And like I was like, oh, this is like so funny to see because we very purposely haven't been putting that out there to our families, like saying like, this is what your, your child's been learning because a, we don't know what the kids are learning. There's no way to assume that, you know, what someone's learning B that's not what this experience is about. It's not like a new way to get ahead with your kid. Um, and see, am I doing ABC one, two, three, what letter am I on? I don't know, but (laughs) my next point, (laughs) furthermore, I will say that like, that's still such an adultist view of communication with young people, right? Like you could ask your partner, your spouse, your friend, your neighbor, how was your work day? How was your day? You're not expecting to get like a detailed list of everything they worked on during the day and be like, tell me about that TPS report and how did you get it in and how did you work on it and how did you stay focused on it? But we tend to, and I say we as adults in this society, we tend to think that kids are supposed to rattle off what they did during the day, like as if it's some sort of list of accomplishments. Um, And that's not fair. Like It's just weird. Like, why do we expect that of young people, but not of the older people around us? The other thing I was thinking 
you know, if you did ask your partner, would they report back to you about the TPS report or would they report back to you about like, you know, a social situation or something that's a little more important to them? Because we hear a lot like, oh, well, the kids do nothing or the kids aren't doing any learning. They're, all we hear about is like their social situations or, you know, what that they were drawing. But they're, of course, they're not going to say like, yes, I filed this TPS report. Or if they do, I have a partner who may sometimes get a little bogged down in the details of their day. And I just glaze over and I nod and smile. Like I'm not, I don't know enough about your field of work to be able to comment on that frustrating Excel spreadsheet that didn't capture the formula correctly. (laughs) Okay. So maybe some partners are going to report back. (laughs) And I say this, I don't have a very talkative partner. I don't want him to shut down and stop sharing with me. Don't listen to this episode. (laughs) Uh, I think, um, Yeah. And I I think this year was such a powerful year too, because trust takes time. Building community takes time. We've now had a couple of facilitators who have been with us since year one. We had a couple of new facilitators enter our space this year who were just amazing. We have learned how to ask the right questions, find the right people. Um, This was the first of all three years that you and I have been able to be gone on the same day and trust that people are going to be okay without our physical presence. And that was such a huge moment of, um, to me, like that was a sign of success. Like, whew, okay. Like we can step away and things aren't falling apart. And that was, that's our, our job. Yeah. I think for like two and a half years, the universe was just screaming at me, let go of control. And I didn't. And then I, I got sick in March and was in the hospital and I was gone for like three weeks probably or two weeks. And then we had spring break and I came back and I was like, Oh, nothing's changed. No, <laughs> Everyone's alive. <laughs> it's funny. Cause in, in some senses as the person left behind, like it felt like a lifetime, but it also felt like I, I mean, <laughs> not in a bad way, but like, it also felt like, we can do this without each other. And it was powerful for me to see because I probably slower to let go of relinquish my grip on control and needed to hear that, like, or needed to see that it could be done without one or the other of us. And and we have wonderful support people around us and a community um, of parents really who stepped up and, and helped out. And the, the young people we're so confident in their routines, confident in the trust we've given them. So even though we feel like we had a tight grip on control, I think the young people in our space really had felt like they had control and power and they didn't Mm -hmm. need us to entertain them. Like in our first few years where kids were de-schooling and they really were looking to us to tell them what to work on, to tell them where to put their energy and focus in a day. And they're not looking for us in that same way. Yeah, absolutely. I think so much of this work is destroying the hierarchy of power over kids. And I I think this year we really saw that uh, we had shifted out of that. They weren't looking at us as somebody to run every idea by or give approval for. Um, Yeah. 
And then I think we, we both kind of touched on this already, but um, I think just learning new levels of patience and learning new levels of acceptance. And um, we have the lowest amount of turnover this year going into next year, as far as who's coming back for programming. Um, but we lost some families who were with us for a few years and and that was hard. And it's hard. Um, also, like we had kids tour or families tour that like, we really, we really connected with, we clicked with, and we, it's hard to meet a young person, especially a young person who's maybe in a school struggle, um, or an uncomfortable situation in their schooling. And we want to embrace them. We want to bring them in and recognizing that this might not be for everyone and that we can really love kids and love a family or love the process of supporting kids and also accept that they might move on from us um, or they might not be ready to do this work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the control piece too, a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Wanting to control other people's decisions. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, I think it's just such a practice because I don't know why, but it seems like in in society and our community in general, we're getting farther and farther away from that. And more and more, not just school, but our relationships with young people are about control and compliance um, more than anything. Like above all, it's like, listen to me because I said so. Um, And we also have more information than ever before on the neuroscience, on child development, human development, like that it's, it's not working. It's not purposeful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I mean, it's interesting cause I always felt like that, like when I was a teacher that it just never, like it never felt right to me <laughs> to force kids to comply but now we have the science on it and the research and it's it's like we're and we're putting it into practice which is amazing Uh, I laugh because I I feel the same way like from the very first year of being a teacher like I was the Spanish teacher I was the class that kids could come and relax in um, and I loved that because they were so highly managed and scrutinized throughout the rest of their day that it just um, it didn't feel right it didn't feel like this is how we should be living as humans in in relationship mm-hmm. well we survived third year down Woo. <laughs> we Yay. are so grateful to the agile learning center network um, who we have learned so much from and lean on um, the expertise of the people who have done this work for years before us who are doing this work um, alongside us, people who are in the same stage as us. Um, Alliance for Self-Directed Education has been another organization we've really leaned on and learned from. We couldn't do this work without those two groups of people um, in our corner telling us, like, be patient, it's working, you've got this, you can do it. Um, It's a whole big thing. Yeah, and answering all our crazy questions. (laughs) (laughs) No question is too crazy. All right. Well, that's how we got out of line this year. We really stepped into our power and out of the um, cycle of control that is typical between adults and and kids. Um, We will share more and um, have a whole summer full of really awesome podcasts to come. 
We've got guests like Nikolai Pizarro of Raising Readers. We've got Sarah from Simplifying Play. Um, just really good stuff coming for the summer. So keep listening. Find us at Playvolution HQ. That also has a lot of play-based learning information, resources, classes. If you ever sign up for anything and you want to get 10% off, you can use our code at checkout, which is O-O-L for out of line. Find us on Instagram at living out of line. We really appreciate you listening. We also appreciate your feedback. Send us questions, send us topics, send us concerns, bring it on. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Exploration's Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. Upstairs Studio Production. Oh.